Before we get into today's episode, we'd like to start by acknowledging the traditional custodians of the land on which we record and pay our respects to their elders, past and present. This episode was recorded on Wurundjeri Woi Wurrung land. Welcome to Interior Couture. We're here to bring the same excitement over interior design that friends share when discussing the latest in fashion. So grab a glass and join us for another episode of Interior Couture, where design comes home. Welcome back to another episode of Interior Couture. I'm Claire from Amila Studio. And I'm Ash from Tove Interiors. Today we have a jam-packed episode for you. We're going to take you through the Design Pulse segment where we bring you our top three current stories and events from the design world and then we're going to get stuck into past, present, future and this week we are talking all about maximalism. It's such a goodie. It's such a big topic in so many ways, like very layered, literally. Literally. (laughs) But before we get stuck into it, what's your recommendation for this week, Ash? Okay, so technically on last week's episode, Mm -hmm. Claire had her birthday, which is still today. Yes. (laughs) We're still in Claire's birthday. We are, because we're recording two in one. (laughs) Recording two in one. It's like a time warp. And for her birthday, you have to give someone flowers on their birthday. It's the best thing ever. So I go to my favourite florist in Moody Pond. So if you love... If you're a little bit creative and you love putting things together, this is why I love this florist because basically you just go into a massive fridge and you get to pick all the little bits and pieces that go into your bouquet Mm -hmm. and then tell them like this is kind of how I want to put it together and put it together. And it's always just so much fun and I guess like – caters to my creativity yeah. flow and fun fact I used to do floristry so for me it did gives, you yeah so for me it gives me like a little kick like yeah that's so great and can I tell you these flowers are amazing they're so Ooh. great yeah well look it's a little practice run the wedding I have on the weekend I'm doing all the flowers for are you I am you've kept that quiet <laughs> I'm too. doing all the flowers for it so oh my goodness this gal needs to strap herself in because it's been a while how do you feel about that is that um, stressful well, no, because she's a very chill bride, okay. but it's been like the last wedding I did was my own. Like I haven't done floristry in a really long wow. time. No, it wasn't. The last wedding I did was after that. But anyway, it's been five years. Wowee. So I'm like, ooh. It'll be like riding a bike. You'll I be hope fine. so. I've got all the little minions to be like, strip that, do that. Yeah. And then I'll just put them together. Is it for the bouquets and the like mm. reception venue? Yeah. And like the arbor when wow. you like for the ceremony and all the ceremony flowers. My goodness. And- you've really been put to work. Yeah. yeah. Look. The girl's got a bit on. Fly in and she's getting me straight to it. That's great. Oh, that'll be fun. I'm excited to see photos of that. Oh, yeah, I'll send them through. Woohoo. What's yours? My recommendation is a podcast episode, which is Mamma Mia's Lady Startup Stories. Ooh. They, uh, the owner of Mamma Mia, Mia Friedman, interviews different startup lady owned by ladies obviously that's the name lady startup stories it's all in the name and this particular episode she interviews sarah andrews and the title of this episode is how sarah built australia's most sought after airbnb oh that actually would be quite interesting it's very interesting and the airbnb is in a very remote little suburb in on the west coast of tasmania and 
other than going to this Airbnb, there's not that much in the area. So not only has she brought so much tourism to this area, which traditionally you wouldn't have thought that an Airbnb could do that. And her backstory where she's come from, I won't give it all away because it is very interesting. She's a very interesting woman. So give it a listen. And I also happen to have Sarah Andrews' book, which is called Principle of Style. And it's all about styling how to style things and put things together and all that so yeah I just really like her and her backstory so give it a listen that's on Mamma Mia's Lady Startup Stories lovely let's get stuck into the design pulse today so we're gonna give you our top three stories and events that's going on in the design world and we're starting off with Pierre Yovonovic crafts a glorious textural apartment on Paris's left bank. That's from Vogue Living. There was almost nothing about this home that I didn't like. It was really incredible to give you a little bit of context. A visual, let's say. Yeah, I'll give you a little bit of a visual. So the article had outlined some homes are designed to first appeal to the eye, but for but for French tech investor Pierre Krings and his wife, fashion entrepreneur Nima, what mattered foremost for their centuries-old apartment on Paris's left bank was how the home feels underfoot. It's so unique. What a unique brief. Yeah. And I took a moment when I read that thinking, okay, is it that they're wanting to have a tactile experience underneath and I before I kind of dived into the article further I had a look at the images and I thought okay well nothing there was nothing overly unique about the flooring Mm. in its texture or necessarily even comforting about its texture and then the article I guess um, goes on to say that the goal was to create an environment that sent sent whoa let's get this word correct Yes, please. Sensual, oh, no. <laughs> Sensual and warm. And a lot of it, so the reason in which they had this barefoot brief was due to travels that they had done, frequent travels that they had done in Japan. Mm. And they have adopted this tradition of taking their shoes off upon entry. And so because they've adopted that tradition, they then wanted, I guess, guests and occupants or whatnot to have a delightful experience yeah with no shoes on but it's so very unique and that hook at the start of the article just gets you right in before you look at the images at all it does and when you do start looking at the images this space is soft and inviting yet luxurious and grand there's so many beautiful pieces of artwork and sculptures there's (gasps) soft Uh, micro cement on the walls but there's also use of colors and like in the kitchen in particular I loved how their cabinetry is like this lemon zesty yellow color and there are the doors are all uh, got these soft corners everything is so soft because then there's archways and there's rolling walls and that fireplace oh the fireplace is incredible even the doors themselves like a lot of the doors throughout the home are actually made from a textured material Mm. so they're not like a hardwood or core hollow or anything like that they actually have almost like a textured wallpaper material on the front of them which is quite alluring because you've noted the kitchen yeah i 
don't know how you felt, but walking through the article, I guess you're not walking through, but in my mind, whenever I'm yeah. reading these articles and looking at the imagery, I'm imagining myself walking through the place. It didn't feel like an overly small apartment in the slightest. The living room felt quite generous. The bedroom was generous, like all the spaces. There were multiple living rooms. So it's not a small apartment. Yeah. Yet it had a very small kitchen. That is so true. And at first I thought this seems really out of place. I don't have access to a floor plan, but it didn't seem to match the scale of the rest of the property. But then as I walked through the article, it says he moved the kitchen, which was small, to a much larger space in the heart of the flat to create a larger kitchen. So I was definitely a little bit confused because the kitchen was tiny. Yeah, it is very small and it's like a U shape and it backs onto, I guess it's a dining room. You can't really see you from the see images, through. but it is open plan. So it's not just a kitchen by itself. But yeah, it is very small, whereas every other room from the images, maybe it's just a wide angle lens, but it does seem, everything seems very grand in there and the ceilings are really high, the walls are all very textured and there's wallpapers. It is a very luxurious space. Don't know that the scale of the kitchen quite marries up to the level of luxuriousness throughout no, the rest of the home. It didn't seem to partner together really all that well. Mm. One space I couldn't walk walk past, I keep using this term as if I was actually in the apartment, but yeah. was the two bathrooms. Seriously, they're my notes, highlighted bathroom. Oh, the kids' bathroom and the parents' bathroom were both absolutely incredible. I loved the luxurious serenity of the parents' bathroom. Mm. Was it Yovanovic himself that designed the vanity? I think. Yes. Well, it doesn't actually list every single thing that he has designed, but he's designed majority of the furniture mm -hmm. as well as the space itself. How clever. It was really quite beautiful and it did, the main bathroom did seem quite serene and luxe and very adult. And the, ch the children's bathroom, what I really appreciated about that was they approached it in a playful nature, but it wasn't distinctively oh this has been designed for children yeah it will still grow with them it will grow with them and it definitely matched the heart of the home and I think he, that is the best executed kids bathroom I've ever seen wow big call mm. one other thing that I don't think we can go past is that little sunken dining table oh isn't it so cool it's so great Somehow on this podcast every week, we end up talking about a conversation <laughs> pit. We end up having a conversation about a conversation We've pit. We've never had a conversation about a conversation dining table. Right? So it's a totally different conversation that we're having today. But I could not go past it. It's as if there's – you walk along – the floor and then you literally take a seat on the floor yeah. you have a little there's a little room for your feet to go and there's just this little tiny round table which is now at perfect table height it's so fun and just looks so intriguing which you just want to go sit there you can't help but assume that again this is pulled from japanese roots yes of, so true now they don't approach it in a sunken format you're mm. generally just 
sitting on the floor sitting on the floor yeah however yeah i do appreciate that that's probably where it was pulled from you're so right so instead of sitting at this table on the floor which they've got little cushions there so that you can sit cross-legged on the floor you just plonk your little feet down and you've got this little hidey hole for your feet to go i particularly loved that They've used a lot of colours throughout the whole apartment, but everything is very soft and palatable. It's not bold and in your face. Do you know what it reminded me of? Oh, what's that? It reminded me of Dulux's forecast, the yes. solstice. I can never say it. Solstice. Solstice. <laughs> solstice. Yeah. Colour palette. It so is. It did really have that dusty, like they. you're right, they used a lot of colour and but it had that dusty element to it quite muted quite refreshing Mm. and really calming really calming sign me up (laughs) adopt me adopt me next up we've got a worker's cottage redesigned for multi-generational living that is from the design files now this is an australian design which i really like a lot about a lot of what we've been discussing the design pulse has been worldwide yeah articles that we've found abroad yeah so I really appreciate that we're having a look at something close to home yeah in our own backyard which it literally is out in our own backyard because this one is in Richmond Victoria this project is the work of figure architects and design and the whole briefing again this is quite a unique briefing Mm. the unlike the conventional approach of adding kind of an open plan to the back of a home this client has specifically asked to design the space so that it can be segregated into two if Mm. it needed to so the back of the home could be I guess uh, almost like an attached granny flat and then the kitchen and living become a shared space between the front of the home and the residence at the back Mm. of the home which is is quite interesting and not my take on multi-generational yeah no me neither because I would well even reading that I then expected to see a detached granny flat out the back yes I definitely what what was lacking in this article was they didn't necessarily explain how they made it possible in the future to create a separate living Mm, space other than closing a a door other than yeah so but I could see in the images that where they had distinctly made for the future space to be sectioned off there was a full green steel beam that ran all the way around the ceiling the walls and the floor Mm. I'm very curious to know if that was engineered to assist in the future of closing that space off at the back to have it be a second living area yeah when I think multi-generational I thought more oh this home is going to be designed in a matter to see them through all phases of life wheelchair aging Mm. that's how I kind of expected to see it when I hear multi-generational I can't help but think that the owners are bringing in their parents and their parents need somewhere to live and their kids live there as well so nan and pop need a area away from the hustle and bustle yeah which in this instance they can achieve that to an extent by closing a door but it's i don't know it's not really segregated off like the brief led me to believe and the article specifies what the client meant by multi-generational living Mm -hmm. The emphasis is on long-term occupation and the opportunity for the owner to generate income by compartmentalising the home. 
So it was actually really not necessarily, I can't say it was nothing about, but it's not necessarily about housing their parents in the future or, I don't know, housing themselves or anything like that. It's to potentially have a second living space to whether that's rent out to somebody or... Mm. Airbnb. Airbnb. looks ripe for Airbnb. Oh, absolutely stunning. The interior is beautiful. So there's a lot of interior, like deep walnut timber panelling throughout a lot of deep greens. It's really giving like forest kind of Mm. vibes in there. It is very open. There's lots of tall windows to let the natural light in. And they do discuss how the client's have a real appreciation of art and out in the courtyard there's like a big mural going on there and one of the bathrooms has been designed and it's like served up as an interpretation of the client's most cherished art pieces. I didn't like it. Yeah, I love the story. Oh, I yeah, love the I like intention. The story. Uh, it's just not to my taste. I no. could appreciate it though. I could appreciate there's like pops of colour, there's square tiles with coloured grout. I like where it's going and I'd love to see the piece of art that uh, informed mm. that. Yeah, I have a picture in my head of what that art piece would look like. and I Kind I, of like Picasso. Yeah. Is what I'm picturing. So. Yeah. It's be interesting to see. It almost felt like it was a bit lacking that that bit wasn't in the article. I love my notes here because I was still at this point, they hadn't revealed at this point in the article that the emphasis was on generating income for the owner. So I was still looking at this from like an accessibility point of view. Sure. And she's still picturing a wheelchair. I'm still picturing so, all of that. And I was in the bathroom yeah. and absolutely reamed the architects in my mind because I'm like, there is no way a wheelchair is making it through. Basically they had designed this bathroom to have a blush pink hallway yeah. almost with cabinetry either side before you enter this really crisp white space and I was like there is no way a wheelchair is fitting through there and getting into that shower and I was really in my mind being like these are obvious things people she's getting real upset I was about getting it really but upset. airbnb oh beautiful it ticks Perfect. those boxes yes yeah. the airbnb yeah, nailed the brief next up this has got to be a personal favorite for both of us I think so we've got a new 70s inspired ranch style hotel in Byron Bay's hinterland that is also by the design files this was so much a personal favorite Mm. that I literally went on their website and tried to book it for Christmas amazing amazing how did you go with that exercise if anyone wants to sponsor the podcast for seven thousand dollars that would be great. Because that exactly $7,000 for Ash to yeah, go specifically. on. <laughs> for how many nights? Four. Yeah, wow. So outside of Christmas period, it's about $850 to $1,500 per night. Yes. It is such a beautiful space. It's a boutique hotel. It is for a very small number of people. It has a very communal vibe to mm. it. So the bar that you can go downstairs in what they call their lobby mm. is not just a worker's bar. Like you don't have bartenders behind it at all hours of the day. It's actually a communal zone from a certain time in the morning to a certain time in the afternoon. And then bartenders come mm. and tend to it at night. And it does look very 
approachable and almost like a kitchen you would find in your own home. Yeah. I struggled to visualize like paid workers behind Being it. In there. Yeah, because you'd just kind of jump up and you'd meet someone there that morning and be like, oh, can I get you a drink? It's yeah. really giving those vibes, which admittedly I've never been to Byron Bay, but I feel would be very expected of the Byron Bay area and that kind of community feel. This particular little hotel, I guess it's like boutique hotel, which has individual eco-friendly off-grid cabins Mm -hmm. it sleeps 34 people total when it's at full capacity and it's on 55 acres of byron bay hinterland so beautiful i would love to have hired this out for my wedding it would be perfect Mm. for a wedding to have 35 people staying there there's a big communal pool that you can all hang out at as well as some of the individual cabins have their own pool that they Mm. open up to the vibes of this place it is truly 70s it's I a say 70s that. ranch yeah it really is. I say truly 70s this feels like softer to me yeah. a lot more calming but also a bit cheeky and fun it wouldn't be a podcast with me if I didn't say I loved the moody green tones of yeah. the guest bathrooms so beautiful not all of them had the green like some of them varied but I did specifically like that space yeah what I did wonder about the bathrooms was a lot of them had tiled bench tops and it's something that we've referenced before that tiled bench tops do not always allow for much durability Mm. and in a hotel specifically where you're having multiple people come through it in a week or Mm. a month who Let's be honest, when you're in a hotel, you do not care for the space the way you care for your own home. No. So I did question mark that a little bit. I'm just the- thinking of makeup on that yeah. in the grout. Oh, it was such a pain for those cleaners. And then I thought, you know what? It was a group of friends that invested in it and purchased it. And I could kind of see the camaraderie of designing it all together and just like missing that little detail. Yes. Because, yeah, yeah I, I do wonder about that and I have kind of pinpointed it in my mind to look into five years from now and be yeah. like, have they still got that? See have they how it's collided weathered. it with marble? What have they done? Mm, yeah, very interesting. And on your point of the fact that a group of friends have come together to create this, I just love that idea. So the, I suppose, co-creators and the main owners are, are Jamie Blackie and Julia Ashwood. So they've purchased the estate and then they've got a group of friends together to kind of pitch in to create this real nostalgic getaway which is featuring all these off-grid they call them barns and private rooms I mean they don't look like barns at all they're so luxe but the story not the barns <laughs> I've been in <laughs> no there ain't no chickens running around or anything like that but I just love the story Let's get stuck into our past, present and future. We are talking all about maximalism this week. I love that my first note is just capital letters, all caps. There were so many good definitions for maximalism. That's what I've written and I've got about seven. And can I say that maximalism is really known for more is more, which includes the definitions apparently. Yeah, apparently it does. <laughs> my, Can I read my two favourites? Give it to me. Okay, so I've got maximalism is a style of art and design that rejects the rules of minimalism. 
Instead, exuberance is celebrated and no rules with use of pattern, colour and texture is encouraged. So that one I found from a Dazine article, which I really loved. Mm. And the other one I found, which I really liked, and I liked it because it felt like Claire. For me, it is more about conjuring a feeling of glamour mixed with comfort. In this way, maximalists can be somewhat sentimental. The layers found in their interiors are full of personality and story. Yeah, I love that. Isn't that interesting because in my mind, maximalism, that's not how I describe it. Ooh, how would you describe it? When it's executed well, it's like fun and exciting. But when, to me, it can also be overwhelming and heavy and chaotic. I think that in some experiences, maximalism can almost go I say too far, but only too far for me. Um, I have like a, yeah. a radar that I can't tip over. I think that's the difference between something well-designed and something not. Mm. I think all styles have the capacity to be cluttered and chaotic when not designed well. Maximalism true? just has a slipperier slope. Yeah. And yeah, so I true? wonder if it's the difference between an interior designer or architect being quite intentional mm. versus someone who thinks they're a maximalist and just goes to town. Doesn't quite get away with it. There's a quote on that and they've said, this is by Megan Hopp and she notes, the thing we need to remember here is maximalism doesn't mean you can just pile a bunch of things into a room. It still requires balance and thought. Mm. And so I think that really plays on, sometimes people go, well, I'm a maximalist and they just go to town. Mm. I think it's more actually you just don't know what you're doing. If we're being blunt. Yeah, yeah. Whereas maximalism done right, there is still balance and order. Everything still has a place. It's just there's lots of places. (laughs) Whereas with minimalism, everything has a place and there's only a few things to fill. The simplest way to think about it is the famous Coco Chanel's mantra. Before you leave the house, look in the mirror, take one thing off. The maximalist would tell you, keep it on or better yet, add another layer. (laughs) Yeah, I love that. That really gives you a good visual. And while we're looking at the visuals, you can also expect bright wallpaper, bold colours, lots of pattern and potentially even contrasting pattern, different ornate items and chandeliers, laid fabrics, different textures. So we're kind of talking about everything on top of everything. That's really what maximalism layer is on, all about. Layer on layer. I found it quite difficult to pinpoint an exact timestamp on when maximalism really came to be. So in the research I found has noted that within the Victorian era, which was in like 1837 to about 1900s, maximalism started appearing in that Victorian era, but not necessarily the way that we describe it now. It was represented more so by rich wallpapers, lots of florals, lots of colour, but a more muted version of the bold colours that we're seeing now. And that's kind of in my research where it really started. And then it seemed to really take flight in fashion first and foremost in the 50s after the Second World War as a real expression and as you say like those layers and expressing yourself and then it started to take off within our interiors about 20 years later in the 70s which is quite interesting because although we may not have described when we were talking about the 70s 
two, three episodes ago when we had our past, present, future on the 70s. We did not describe it by using the word maximalism, but in the words that we used, you could have said, are they talking about they 70s or are they talking about maximalism? Yeah, yeah. exactly when right. we're talking about those patterns on patterns and all the, the, the colours and everything like that. So that's the time frame I found, but I did find it difficult. Yes, I found it really difficult and the most succinct trajectory, I guess, mm-hmm. that I found Uh, explaining where maximalism came from is quoted from an article um, by a company called Hunker. Love the name. Don't know who they are. But basically, (laughs) basically they said it has formed from three different areas, starting in the 1930s with the Hollywood Regency style, moving then into the 1970s where pattern and decoration and the visual art movement started to really find its place and then really cementing itself in the 1980s with the Memphis Design Group who quite a few designers, uh, including Claire Bingham, um, attributed the Memphis Group to really being the, I guess, final point of, creating maximalism yes did they come up with the word yes yeah okay great that makes oh sense. actually i think they came up with the more is more okay i'm not sure that they came up with the word with maximalism itself yeah it's so interesting but makes perfect sense how it's almost a mashup this mm-hmm. style has grown and with it added more and more and more and more which makes perfect yeah. sense <laughs> It's actually still going. Yeah, well, I don't know that it will ever end, will it? If you're wanting to find a really iconic designer, I think you would call her a designer or for kind of that time frame, you'd look up Madeline Casting. That's how I'm going to say her name is pronounced. She is referenced in a lot of articles that mm-hmm. I read as being one of the most iconic designers of their time. Her work is quite overwhelming, mm-hmm. um, but she has a really strict adherence to like colour and pattern and I guess layering and all those things that we really um, expect to see in maximalism and she just does it over and over and over again. So when we're looking at the representation of maximalism presently of today, I personally don't think you can go past Kelly Wessler as a maximalist interior designer Mm. who just does it so Mm. well. In my opinion, this is just by seeing her work and then seeing how other people interpret that work. I don't believe that maximalism today would be as prevalent if we didn't have a designer Mm. like her at the forefront really rolling with that. So definitely check out her work uh, for a present example of maximalism. I would even say two present examples would be the home that we spoke about two weeks ago in our design pulse in Florida. Mm. That was still a take on maximalism yeah as well as we bring it up all the time zoe foster blake's home is definitely a maximalist's dream yeah they're two very prevalent projects in this day and age would i say maximalism is something that we see often residentially no i just wouldn't no but i think there's a lot of elements of it if you look at there are certain homeware stores homewares brands that really lean into that color and pattern the instant example that comes to mind is the roundhouse Mm -hmm. they create beautiful tableware and 
no plates are the same. So you can't Mm -hmm. just get a set of six or eight plates. You mix and match. They're Mm -hmm. all in different colours, bold colours, some with writing, some with images. That to me is a really good example of how we see maximalism introduced Mm -hmm. into residential homes without the whole home being maximalist. I 100% agree. I guess I'm more saying I don't think we see a maximalist home anymore. We definitely see accents of it. Yes. And I think Frida Gromley, she, she or he, Frida, I'm going to go with she, she sums it up really well that I, of what I think we're taking from maximalism in the present. We want only to be surrounded by things that have a purpose that have been created for both their beauty and their meaning. So we say never hold back with the personal objects, mementos, pictures and paintings that evoke a memory or story. Those are the things that transform a house into a home. She then goes on and says, if that means you need to have 17 different paintings on one wall that evoke that feeling, go for it. Adopt mm. adopt the maximalism's approach into as many things with meaning as possible. And I think we are craving that and we do definitely adopt that but I don't see us I I mean I've been into one maximalist home in the past 10 years Mm. there is an element with the introduction of TikTok DIY that a lot of what I see is of a maximalist style when people are trying to like bedazzle things Mm. or use mosaics or paint in bright colors Mm -hmm. and then putting lots of different things into a room. I do think there's an element that shines through in the DIY area that is very Mm. maximalist. But yeah, I tend to agree that maximalist, it's hard to get right and done well to exude luxury and a sense of calm. So yeah, it makes sense that we don't necessarily see people trying to pull it off because the everyday person I don't think can. No. And like we said before, it's not clutter when done right Yeah, and when done wrong. It is clutter. It is clutter. It's like a hoarder. It is. It's like a hoarder. (laughs) There's a fine line between maximalism and hoarding. If we ever call you a maximalist, it's our way of saying you're just a hoarder. (laughs) Yeah, exactly right. My favourite present design that I think I have ever seen that takes on this maximalist look is actually a healthcare facility in Germany okay called Rookies and this is by a architect called Stephanie Thattenhorst and it is I love that a healthcare facility has decided to take on that maximalist look pattern on Top of pattern. It's pattern, colour, texture. When you actually zoom in on the um, doctors, all the doctors oh, have wow, it's desks. so fun. Yes, and I think why aren't we doing things like that in mm. healthcare facilities? Like that's such a cool approach to something that is usually white. Yeah, and stark and matches your mood when yes. you walk in there, when you're like scared, don't want to be there. Whereas yes. that is fun and vibrant and yet yeah, quite a different to difference to the healthcare we're used to. Have more fun in those areas that are generally unassuming. Mm. That's a really cool take. One example that I loved, so maximalism 
you all know it's not my forte. It's not where I feel at peace or that I can really get amongst. But this execution, I can. So this is, it's called Cabana Magazine. So this is a biannual interiors and decoration art magazine. And the way the magazine is presented is it's uh, wrapped in a unique fabric every issue. Love Isn't that. that detail so great? Anyway, I will tag their Instagram. Their Instagram is Cabana Magazine. Just look at this Instagram. So they have, in my opinion, gone with maximalism but used that Victorian era tweak because it's very floral, it's very pretty. bedhead. Yeah, it's very soft and this is the type of maximalism that sits really well mm. with me. I really like this form of maximalism and like the uh, – was it Palm Springs? No, it just gives off Palm Springs vibes. The Florida uh, um, home that we reviewed two weeks ago, because they're just a bit softer. It's balanced. Yeah. It's balanced maximalism. I can really get amongst mm. those. So we will tag these for you guys so that you can make up your own mind yep. where you sit on the scale of maximalism because I'm at the lower end. Once we start getting to the top end of the scale, <laughs> I'm, I'm out. out. I'm tapping out. I think where we'll see it in the future is definitely – I don't like that term knickknacks, but I do mm. think the kind of maximalism knickknacks will just continue to see their place. They still have them. They had them in the past, present. I think they're going to have it in the future. Yeah. And again, that adoption into commercial spaces. Yeah. I think hotels can get away with whatever they want. There's always a market for that kind of style. I think restaurants can create an experience through it. Mm. Again, I don't think Australia will ever do this. But I love the concept of healthcare facilities and all of that. Um, but I think residentially, we'll only really see it in those small pieces like yes, like dining or plates. very high end architecturally designed, yeah. like one end of the spectrum or the other. Exactly. Wonder, based on our topic last week where we talked about AI assisting design, is this an area where AI could really help to gain that balance? I'm going to say 100%. Mm. I am not threatened by AI. If AI Neither. wants to do that, I invite it. Yeah, bring it on. Bring Let it us on. Help us out as much as possible. Yep. So I think that could be an area where yep. it would be quite helpful. I'm happy to go on the record saying if a client ever came to me with a maximalist design idea I'd be a fish out of water I really would and yeah. it would, I think I'd be able to do it but it would take a lot of research and it would be commitment. very fun though it would be fun yeah I would be very committed to spending all my time and energy into making sure I was doing it right so yeah. if there was AI there to assist me sign me up baby Wouldn't I am no. on board that really rounds out our maximalism our more is more is more is more so if you want more 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 <laughs> yeah just tell us what on <laughs> yeah tell us what you want more of and come and visit us on the gram and have a chat with us but until next week that's it bye, bye. thanks for listening to another episode of interior couture if you enjoyed this episode and want to know more come connect with us on instagram at interiorcouture.podcast We're an independent podcast and we really appreciate your time and support. A follow on the platform that you're listening to this episode on would be amazing. If you're feeling extra generous, leave us a review on Apple Podcast. We'd love to hear your thoughts and takeaways.